0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.
0: Hello and welcome to episode number 194 of the Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always, and we're here with you today to finish off our division-by-division recaps with the NFC West. Two teams found themselves picking in the top half of round one from this division. One of those teams made a bold move up the draft board, which we'll discuss shortly, but the other two teams... Well, they didn't have any picks in the top 55 of the draft. What do you make of what the teams in the NFC West were able to do in the draft, Tony? Well, you know, obviously
1: San Francisco, as we'll talk about, is wants a new direction at the quarterback position. I was not surprised with the Cardinals. And at times, it just seems like the Seahawks and the Rams would rather be out fishing than selecting players come draft day. Uh, but we'll get into that.
0: And we will get into all of that in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it.
1: From the basketball and the hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information
0: for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus. your first deposit so before the next tip off face off or pitch head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today bet online your online sportsbook experts now we've already talked about the 49ers a little bit without going into detail now we are going to go into detail as they are certainly that team that made the bold move up the draft board jumping from pick 12 to pick number three trading two first round picks in the process to move up and select trey lance quarterback north dakota state at number three overall from the beginning people wanted you to think it was mac jones it was never a move that really made sense you don't trade three first round picks for a guy like mac jones who you know while he could be a solid starter at the nfl level you know the, the true upside just really isn't there whereas trey lance on the other hand absolutely oozes upside in terms of his physical skills his arm his athletic ability Uh, the production he put together in his one year as a starter at North Dakota state, but therein lies the concern is he only had one year as a starter on the college field. North Dakota state did not have a 2020 season. They had that one showcase game uh, where Trey Lance was a bit up and down, you know, it showed you why he could be a high draft pick, but you know, there will be some bumps in the road. He landed in a very good situation with Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco uh, in terms of, you know, the ability to, develop him better than a lot of other teams that might be drafting high enough to draft a player like this. So, you know, I think he landed in a good spot. I think there is a certainly a chance that they're able to develop him into the quarterback that they want and really need him to be after everything they gave up. You know, the upside's certainly there, but this pick does not come without risk. A couple
1: of things. I, I mean, if you had read the article that I wrote on Pro Football Network the Sunday before the draft, I mentioned there Trey Lance was in the uh, was in the conversation. It was going to be Trey Lance or Mac Jones. That was the information I had. Obviously, it was Trey Lance all along. And as I said at the time, you know, this is what happens when a head coach drives the draft process. The head coach, in this case, Kyle Shanahan, as much as he's revered in San Francisco, is going to get what he wanted, despite what many of the scouts think. Um, Trey Lance has a tremendous amount of upside. You said it right. I still think that this is, uh, you know, Has a lot of downside risk. I think it is a bit of an arrogant selection, Uh, but well, you know, all you can do is, is see what happens. History has not been kind to underclassmen quarterbacks that have one year of starting experience and then entered the draft. Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, Mark Sanchez. Now, Trey Lance. It wasn't his fault because, as Chris pointed out, they played one game during the fall. They then had a spring season and went on to play for the FCS national title in the spring. So you can't fully blame Trey Lance, but the fact is this, I mean, he only has what 15, 16 starts under his belt, one full season. He's got great upside. He's got a tremendous physical skills, needs a lot of work on his game. I think that they helped him, uh, or they're going to help him by keeping Garoppolo around. I would be shocked if he's the starting quarterback uh, before October, if not before November, you know, listen, uh, History has not been kind to the underclassmen
0: that have started one year and entered the NFL draft. We'll see if Trey Lance can break that uh, streak. Three picks on the second day for San Francisco, starting with Notre Dame guard Aaron Banks at number 48 overall. Ohio State running back Trey Sermon was the pick at pick 88 in round three. Then, 14 picks later, towards the end of the round, Michigan cornerback Ambry Thomas. Aaron Banks is a small area type of guy, you know, may have been overshadowed by guys like Liam Eichenberg and Robert Hainsey, but he goes, you know, just as high as Eichenberg and, and way earlier than Hainsey, you know, he's a mauler in the middle uh, fits what San Francisco wants to do on the interior of their line. Uh, you know, could end up being a solid pick here, but I was a little surprised to see him go in round two, although not surprised at the landing spot, uh, Trey Sermon in round three. I mean, you know, this is a guy that early in his Oklahoma career, you know, a lot of upside people really liked what they saw from Trey Sermon. then he had injury issues transferred to Ohio state And didn't really break out until the back half of this past season. And and certainly he really broke out in a big way. Um, You know, he has feature back size. Uh, He has enough athletic ability to play in that role. He can catch passes as well. Um, Trey Sermon's a really, really good back. This could end up being an excellent pick for San Francisco. And they did just lose Jeff Wilson to injury as well. So there's a little bit more of a need at the running back position for the Niners. Then Avery Thomas did not play in 2020. Opted out, but has good size, good ball skills. He's a pretty good athlete. Um, you know, showed pretty well at the senior bowl. You know, this is a guy probably was a second round pick at the latest and early third round pick if he played in 2020. So I think the opt out definitely hurt his draft stock, but I'd say that would help the Niners get some good value in this case. As much risk as I think Trey Lance has, I think these three selections are,
1: are, I don't want to say short things, but they're very close to short things. I've always liked Aaron Banks. I I did have him graded as a second rounder coming in the season. I foolishly took him off and put him in the third round, but the guy's a big mauler. He's smart. Probably not the most mobile guy in the world, but still, I I mean, he is a tough slug it out. lineman. Trey Sermon, I thought went much later than he should have. Perfect fit for that offense. Grinds it on the inside. Guy who's much quicker than given credit for much better pass catcher than giving credit for not the breakaway threat that the Niners usually like on offense, but still a guy who, you know, can handle the rock and is a sturdy back. Ambry Thomas, which Ambry Thomas are they getting? If they're getting the guy who was inconsistent at senior bowl practices, you're looking at a dime back. If they're getting the guy that showed the ability to be a shutdown corner during the 2019 season, you're getting someone who's a nickelback who could eventually develop into a starter. So I think
0: all these three selections on day two of the draft uh, were really top notch. Four picks on the third day for San Francisco. Three in the fifth round, starting with Western Michigan tackle Jalen Moore at pick 155, Oregon cornerback Diamoder Lenore at 152, and UFC safety Tulanoa Hafanga at number 180, and then Louisiana running back Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round at pick number 194. Uh, you know, solid picks here for San Francisco. Uh, Jalen Moore, kind of similar to Aaron Banks in the fact that, you know, he's not the lineman that's going to move out or, you know, pull out in motion or get to the second level, but he's very good in a small area as a right tackle, potentially a guard at the next level. Lenore is a guy with good size, good ball skills, uh, you know, kind of like Avery Thomas in in some ways, except, um, you know, went two rounds later, but, you know, similar types of players in terms of Banks and Moore for the Niners and in Thomas and Lenore Hufanga, You know, kind of guy, he's a box safety, um, you know, a little bit better in coverage than you might expect, uh, more of a complete game, but definitely a guy that's most effective going downhill as a strong safety type. And then Elijah Mitchell, we talked about Trey Ragus on our last show. Uh, Mitchell was his complement at Louisiana, Um, you know, had a big season, runs well, good downhill guy, has good size, you know, decent enough athleticism, you know, not a burner by any stretch, can catch a few passes here and there. Um, You know, typical late round running back in terms of, You put him behind an offensive line and he can run and he can be effective for you. Um, You know, they drafted Trey Sermon. So obviously they don't envision him being much more than a backup likely long-term unless, you know, injuries really stack up, but he's a guy that could definitely fill in in a pinch and provide you with good production.
1: I thought all four of these selections were really, they really hit the uh, hit the ball of the park. I mean, Jalen Moore, he can play tackle. He can play guard. He plays some left tackle. Oh, I think he's better off on the right side. You know what? In the fifth round, they got a very inexpensive backup offensive lineman who can start on occasion. Lenore, I, th- I thought, uh, w- was good value. Uh, guy who could make it as a, as a uh, dimeback. Hufanga, I absolutely love. I mean, Hufanga is a devastating run defender who's got real good ball skills. The reason he fell was he ran the four sixes during pro day, and there's not, just, there's not a big market for defensive backs that run in the four sixes, but Hufanga can absolutely play. Elijah Mitchell, you know, when you watched him at Louisiana, when you watched him during Senior Bowl practices, he looked like sort of a downhill, grinded-out type of uh, running back. He shows up a pro day; he's ten pounds lighter. He runs in the four threes where everyone's thinking he's a four-five-five five guy. So there's your running back that's a breakaway threat. Uh, he shows the ability to turn the corner. He's a solid blocker who also catches the ball out of the backfield. I would be surprised if Mitchell does not make the active roster uh, come uh, week
0: one for the Niners. Now, only four players signed after the draft for San Francisco, but two of them definitely stand out. Kansas State linebacker Elijah Sullivan, a smaller guy, but you know does well in pursuit, can go sideline to sideline. Uh, special teams ace at the very least and definitely a guy that can make the back end of the roster. And then Austin Watkins, the wide receiver from UAB. Might be best known as Sammy Watkins, his cousin. But reality is, he's a good player in his own right. Uh, maybe not as explosive as his cousin once was, but you know, he's a reliable receiver. Runs really good routes. Uh, you know that really showed up at the Senior Bowl in terms of him being able to create separation. A uh, good hands. He's not a deep threat. He's not going to stretch the field vertically. Um, but it's a solid receiver who's you know the typical guy that you know you might want rounding out the back end of an NFL depth chart. Tony, what do you think of uh, a couple guys here for San Fran?
1: First of all, I was shocked that Watkins fell out of the draft altogether. I had him in the six-round range. Uh, I I think he absolutely has a chance to make the active roster. Although Justin Hilliard was a real good signing, not the fastest guy in the world, someone who really came on late in his college career at Ohio State, but a versatile linebacker that you can use on the outside or inside. You're looking at an inexpensive backup. One of the more interesting stories was Josh Pedersen of Louisiana Monroe. Interesting in a sense that I believe Pedersen had entered the transfer portal and was planning on going back for a second senior season. I guess the Niners dangled some money in front of him, which was too good to turn away. I don't know that Pedersen makes the active roster. Did not have a good 2020 campaign at Louisiana Monroe. Niner fans should go back and watch the 2019 film because he looked real good then, uh, but probably someone is destined for the practice squad.
0: Now moving on here to the Arizona Cardinals, who at number 16, and Tony was probably really patting himself on the back after this selection. Zaven Collins, linebacker, out of Tulsa, a guy we had on the show. I'll go back and listen to that interview. He talks about just you know the fact that he is not the typical modern NFL linebacker. Uh, this guy's 260 pounds. Now he's just as athletic as guys 25, 30 pounds lighter than him, but he's big. And that actually makes him a really interesting compliment with Isaiah Simmons, obviously a former safety at Clemson playing linebacker. Those two should play very well off each other and, and really help each other out. Uh, but yeah, this, this is a pick that, you know, Tony was saying if a couple guys were gone, Zayvon Collins was going to get a look from the Cardinals. Uh, I think a lot of people did not believe that, but here we are, Tony, you were proven, right. How does it make you feel? Well, I was pumping my fist for a little
1: while and I had a couple wrong, but yeah, listen, Correct predictions aside, I was very happy for Zabin Collins. I mean, I would highly recommend that Cardinal fans go back and listen to our uh, interview with him. He is a quality person besides being a devastating linebacker. You know, as I said time and time again, 15, 20 years ago, Zayvon Collins is a top 10 pick. It's just that, you know, in recent years, the NFL has gone to more safety sized linebackers and Zayvon Collins, as you pointed out, is a throwback. And as I've said, time and time again, I firmly believe two or three years down the road, people are going to wonder why Zayvon Collins was not a top 10 pick in the chef because he can do it all. I mean, he's a great pass rusher, who is a stout run defender who can also cover. So while a lot of people were scratching their heads, I was applauding the Cardinals not not so much because I got the pick right, but because they got a real good player who's a
0: quality person. Now only one pick on the second day for Arizona, and that was Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore at number forty-nine. They drafted Christian Kirk a couple of years ago in the second round, it hasn't quite worked out the way they envisioned. Maybe Rondell Moore is their second attempt at a Christian Kirk type of player. Uh, but I mean, Rondell Moore is an explosive, explosive guy. You get him the ball in reverses, you get him the ball on short passes. He's going to do damage after the catch, you know, broke out as a freshman at Purdue had a monster season when he was just 18 years old. Injuries have kind of hurt him the past couple seasons hasn't quite stayed on the field, but when he is on the field, he's 95 to 99% as explosive, as he was, doesn't appear that he's lost a ton. So as long as he stays healthy, he's a definite chess piece for the Cardinals offense here, you know, who really needs something reliable behind DeAndre Hopkins for Kyler Murray to target in the passing game.
1: Andy Isabella has not really panned out the way uh, I-, I think they had hoped. Now, Rondell Moore is a great fit for the system. You line him up in the slot. You know, you can do a lot of different things with Rondell Moore. Use him to run reverses. A lot of receiver screens, which is what he ran at Purdue, used him as a return specialist. You know, you mentioned his freshman year. A lot of people probably remember that Saturday night game when he almost single-handedly beat Ohio State and knocked Ohio State out of the national championship uh, picture. Has had limited football the past two years because of the uh, injuries, Uh, but the guy is a home run hitting threat. I mean, when he steps on the field, opposing defensive backs and safeties have to move back to guard against his deep speed. And he's also a good pass catcher. I I mean, a lot of his uh, receptions at Purdue last year were receiver screens, two or three yards off the line of scrimmage,
0: and he was catching everything. It's just that he's not a big body wideout. Now, five picks on the third day for Arizona, starting with Florida cornerback, Marco Wilson at 136, guy who played really well as a freshman, kind of Didn't really add to that. You know, a lot of people thought highly of him as a freshman. He kind of was forgotten the past couple of years. Uh, But, you know, certainly a player who could provide depth at the cornerback position and and maybe you get him back to that freshman level. And, you know, he could provide some upside for this selection. Two picks in the sixth round, Duke defensive end Victor DiMaccaje at 210 and UCF cornerback Tay Gowan at 223. You know, DiMaccaje is the kind of guy, very productive at the college level doesn't have great size doesn't have great athletic ability kind of a tweener uh, but you bring him in on passing downs to rush the passer and, and it could be certainly useful as depth there then two picks in the seventh round Cincinnati safety James Wiggins a hard hitting downhill type of strong safety and then Penn State offensive lineman Michael Monet you know not the strongest guy in terms of run blocking but a good athlete uh, you know more of a zone blocking type of guy started for three years at Penn State so that's definitely an upside pick. In the seventh round for the Cardinals, uh, you know, a guy who at the very least can provide some depth, but you know, if he can add some strength and improve his ability as a run blocker, you know, this is a guy that does have actual starting potential in the long run.
1: Manette fell because of uh, injury issues with his knees. Otherwise he is literally worthy of a, uh, being a third round pick and he's a good fit uh, in that Arizona system. You know, we, we spoke last show about the Rodney Hudson, that the Raiders almost giving Rodney Hudson away or Roger, the, uh, the Raiders were going to cut Rodney Hudson before Arizona stepped up and said, Hey, we'll give you a draft pick for him. I mean, that's a guy who can, you know, as his knees heal, as he gets bigger and gets stronger, can develop behind Rodney Hudson. So I, I thought that was a terrific pick in the seventh round. Wiggins is an athletic hard-hitting safety that's had injury issues Tay Gowan is an interesting story. Maybe he's a, uh, maybe he's a dimeback and McKay KJ is maybe a situational pass rusher at best. I'm surprised he was selected at all during
0: the seven rounds. Now, even though the Cardinals only had seven picks overall, they only signed four players after the draft. No true standout names. I mean, Arizona cornerback, Lorenzo Burns is a bit small, but a you know, really good speed. You know, a guy that again could contribute on special teams and add depth at the cornerback position, carry Angeline tight end out of nc state um you know not a guy who's going to stretch the seam but can catch the ball as a short and intermediate target has some blocking ability as well could catch on at the back end of a depth chart anything stand out to you after the draft of what the cardinals did tony Uh, i mean the angelina is a guy who could make it as a number three tight end but
1: they didn't really do too much uh after the draft they didn't sign too many guys
0: and I, i wouldn't expect much to come from this crop of players now, moving on to the Seattle Seahawks here. And, you know, when you want to talk about not expecting much from a crop of players, Seattle had three picks in this draft, and only one of them came in the top 125. That one pick was another friend of the show. However, Western Michigan wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge, you know, guy who's dabbled at cornerback at times, you know, very fast. Certainly a speedster series, a vertical slot receiver, you know, kind of in the mold of a, a Tyler Lockett type who's currently, obviously, on the Seahawks roster, just signed in a nice extension. But I think the Seahawks want to use – Eskridge in a lot of ways that we were talking about Rondell Moore being used I think they want to give him opportunities just to get the ball in his hands and just to see what his speed can do Uh, they do need a third receiver after David Moore moved on in the offseason and Josh Gordon you know kind of couldn't kick those demons that he's always had throughout his NFL career Uh, but you know an interesting pick at the end of the second round an interesting fit when you think about you know Tyler Lockett and Eskridge might be best playing the same position but I think Seattle has a little more in mind for Dwayne Eskridge what do you think of this selection Tony?
1: I think I was surprised, even though I was tipped off to it right before the uh, day two of the draft started. Uh, But again, I I mean, the guy's a home run hitting threat. He can score from any point on the field. He can, uh, you know, be a return specialist if you need him. And he can even play some defenses back, as he told us during during our interview. He's more than happy to line up as a corner or as a nickel.
0: I don't think that's going to happen, but that tells you the type of athlete he is and, and the type of approach he has to the game. Now, just two picks on the third day, as I mentioned before, Oklahoma cornerback Trey Brown at pick 137 in round four, and Florida offensive lineman Stone Forsythe at pick 208 in round six. Now, Trey Brown is a guy, doesn't have great size, pretty good athlete, though, good ball skills, uh, you know, should provide depth, again, for Seattle here. And then Stone Forsythe, a guy that many thought was going to go a lot higher. We talked about him being a riser uh, before the draft in the weeks leading up and then you know he falls back down into the sixth round a good size but he's a small area type of guy you know not a guy who you know strikes you as you know an upside pick like we discussed earlier with Michael Manet um you know definitely a guy that can be a backup on the right side or at guard Tony what you think of these selections I mean Brown
1: <laughs> Brown is a guy who at best is a dime back Forsyth it seems that the Seahawks are always looking for offensive linemen I was never a big believer in Forsyth as you said he's a small area guy maybe a right tackle maybe a guard more of a depth player I mean I I I think he will make the active roster uh, but I don't think he'll ever develop into a starter
0: now despite only having three picks the Seahawks signed only nine free agents after the draft two names that stand out for me Tomorian Terry, the wide receiver out of Florida State, and you know, we talked about Josh Palmer on our last show, really being held back by the situation at Tennessee. Tomorian Terry, really held back by the situation at Florida State. I mean, this is a guy with you know late second day, early third day talent at the very least, and and just you know lack of production, uh, just an awful situation for him there. He falls out of the draft completely. Uh, you know, I think he's probably the second best player that the Seahawks brought in in terms of uh, his abilities and what they got in the draft. They only had three selections after all. Um, but, you know, Terry was a good scoop, I think. Definitely a lot of upside, you know, good size, good athleticism. He's a good receiver if he can put it all together, but certainly a long road as an undrafted free agent. Same thing can go for South Dakota State's Kate Johnson, who played very well at the Senior Bowl. Most people expected him to be drafted, and not only be drafted, but he drafted several rounds earlier. You know, then he ended up going, obviously, as an undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, he's not a vertical threat. He's not going to beat you deep, but he's a good route runner. Um, You know, very productive at South Dakota State. So another guy that, you know, has a chance to make the back end of a roster here. Tony, any thoughts on what the Seahawks did after the draft?
1: Yeah, interesting how they loaded up on receivers. They also brought in Connor Weddington, who was a solid pass catcher at Stanford. I I like the uh, signing of Brian Mills. I mean, a guy who's tall, he's physical, he's athletic, but he needs a lot of work on his game. He's the big physical type of corner that the, uh, the Seahawks have had a lot of success with the past 10 years. If they can develop him and get and really get the upside out of him, I think, uh, you know, he has a future. I don't know whether it's going to be on the active roster. Ashari Croswell of uh, Arizona State, the safety, and yeah, that, that's an interesting signing. He was a guy who showed flashes in 2019, did not play in 2020. I believe he was uh, dismissed from the program because he got into a fight with one of his teammates. He's athletic, he's rangy, he's got an upside but he's got a very raw game. So with Croswell, I think like Mills, you're looking at a
0: guy who's destined for a practice squad for future development. And moving on to another team here that did not have a pick in the top 55. And that is the Los Angeles Rams who gave up their first round pick in the Jalen Ramsey trade from a couple of years ago at pick 57. Overall, they drafted Louisville wide receiver Tutu Atwell, very small. Um that's the one thing that stands out immediately to tutu Atwell. I mean, you want to talk about a guy like Marquise Brown being small, he's got Atwell by about 10 pounds. Um, so he's gonna be a returner to start his career. They have a three wide receiver set kind of set up with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Van Jefferson, but you look at Tutu Atwell, and he's a good receiver, too. He's very productive at Louisville, put up nice numbers, scored touchdowns. I mean, that's what this guy does when the ball is in his hands. He reaches the end zone, whether it's as a returner, whether it's you know just getting the ball in a short pass, whether it's running deep. Um, you know, The size is obviously going to be a hindrance, but he brings an explosive player and a level of speed that the Rams really don't have. They don't have a vertical threat in their receiver room. Um, so an interesting fit for the Rams. Uh, a guy who's probably not going to produce a ton – in year one, but definitely has some tactical value for them and kind of projects almost like a like a KJ Hamler type. He's a bit smaller than Hamler, but both are guys that are pigeonholed as speedsters, but are actually pretty good receivers as well.
1: You know, I'll go back to the fact that the Rams didn't have a first-round pick this year. I mean, will the Rams ever have a first-round pick again? <laughs> I mean, they gave away how many first-round picks for Matt Stafford and they gave away Jared Goff, who they gave away a ton of first-round picks to move up to get a few years ago. So you, you gotta wonder, and, and, and the Rams. You 2024 Tony. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I'm sure they'll give those picks away because the Rams, <laughs> you know, I, I said it before, they don't seem to care about the draft. I mean, they don't go to pro days. They don't go to senior ball practice. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's interesting the, the way they scout, but they're a competitive team. So we'll have to see what happens. As far as Tutu is concerned, you got to get them in open space because, you know, if the wind blows too hard, you're going to knock them over. I like them, but still 146 pounds or whatever it was, uh, uh, during pro day and the and when he went to the combine, I mean, that is tiny, that's not small, that's tiny. Uh, he is a playmaker, he's a guy that you're gonna line up in the slot, you're gonna run reverses with him, you can use him as a return specialist. Um, but you know, he's got limitations. Uh, Ernest Jones, I like Ernest Jones a lot, and I had Ernest Jones rated higher than most in the fourth round. Obviously, the Rams liked him even better than I did because they took him in the third round. He's more of a two down run defender. He's got good speed sideline to sideline. He's terrific in pursuit. He plays with a nasty attitude. I just think that the third round was slightly earlier than I would have –
0: I I thought he should have gone. Yeah, I forgot to mention Jones as the other day to pick at at pick 103, end of the third round certainly, but I I agree with you, kind of more of a two-down type of player, Um, You know, a guy you would expect to go in in round four or round five at the earliest, but the Rams do have a hole in the middle of their defense, and, and maybe they hope Ernest Jones can fill it. The Rams did have seven picks on the third day, unlike the Seahawks who completely punted the draft. At least the Rams had some players on the third day. We'll start with the first three in the fourth round, Texas A&M defensive tackle, Bobby Brown, a three technique type who can penetrate the backfield and the line of scrimmage. Robert Rochelle, Central Arkansas cornerback at pick 130. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the ball skills. Um, Just, you know, very inconsistent, needs to get coached up. Uh, So if they can do that in LA, this pick certainly has some upside For Robert Rochelle, then Jacob Harris, wide receiver out of Central Florida, is listed as a tight end on the Rams depth chart. However, they lost Gerald Everett this offseason. Maybe this is the guy in the long run that they think could replace Gerald Everett. Certainly projects as a move tight end. Uh, He was a bigger wide receiver, might need to add a little bit of weight uh, to survive at the tight end position. But he's got time to develop into that. You know, may not be the best seam stretcher at the receiver position, but you move him to tight end and, you know, that adds possibilities for him. You know, he's a big possession type of guy. Um, so certainly an interesting pick there in terms of a position change for Jacob Harris. What do you think what the Rams did in the fourth round, Tony? Well,
1: you know, you say Jacob Harris is a big possession type of guy and that's the way he played, but he ran in the four fours during his party, which I think shocked everybody. And I agree. I mean, we talked about him, you know, in the lead up to the draft about being on tight end boards. I think he is an absolute move tight end. I just don 't know that he deserved to go in the fourth round, you know Robert Rochelle. I talked about Brian Mills, who the Seattle Seahawks signed as an undrafted free agent, a big athletic physical corner that needs work. same thing with Robert Rochelle. difference is is that the uh, the Seahawks signed uh, signed Brian Mills as an undrafted free agent. The Rams drafted Robert Rochelle in the fourth round. I was never very big on Robert Rochelle. I mean, there were some people talking about him as being a day two pick. I just never saw it. I saw flashes. I see upside, but I see a lot of inconsistency. Bobby Brown, like you said, a three-technique tackle. I don't know how he's going to fit the system. He's quick. He's explosive. Good change of direction. Not the tallest guy in the world, not the strongest guy in the world, but someone who's a solid
0: player. Four more picks on day three in round five, Northwestern defensive end. Ernest Brown was the selection at pick 174. Tony and I have talked about a lot on this podcast. We like Ernest Brown. I was very happy to see him go in round five. I think he's well worth this selection. Um, You know, he's definitely a guy you're going to plug in as a a defensive end in a 4-3, but he can rush the passer. He's got good athleticism. He's got good enough size. Uh, Certainly injuries have been kind of an issue for Ernest Brown, but I was very happy to see him go here and think he was absolutely worth the pick. Solid selection for the Rams. Then they had three guys selected in the seventh round. Tony talked about guys rising up draft boards towards the, uh, you know, in the lead up to the draft at the very end. Jake Funk running back out of Maryland went at 233. He's one of those guys, uh, you know, ran well at his pro day a bit smaller not quite you know the size you expect out of a out of a running back that you're going to use on all three downs but Jake Funk has that kind of ability as a pass catcher as a runner you know certainly another guy injuries held him up at the college level but had a good senior season and an interesting interesting selection I think for the Rams Ben Skaronek receiver out of Notre Dame epic 249 certainly a bigger type of receiver 6'3 220 not fast not a guy that's going to stretch the field but possession receiver who can be effective in the red zone. And then Concordia, St. Paul, Minnesota defensive end, Chris Garrett was the selection at number 252. Tony, tell us about Garrett, Funk, and Skoronek, and what do you think of these picks?
1: Well, I mean, Garrett is an undersized pass rusher who's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. I don't know how – I guess they're going to try him as a situational pass rusher. He's very athletic. He's very explosive. He was impossible to stop if you ever get your hands on game film on him. Uh, You you know, it's a roll of the dice in the seventh round. Why not? Swaronek, transferred from Northwestern to Notre Dame. He's solid. He's a big possession guy. Also suffered a Jones fracture at the senior bowl. He was on my flight and I spoke with him. But I guess this is what happens when your team doesn't go to the senior bowl. You know, the guy's walking around with a big boot on his uh, his foot uh, and he's on uh, crutches. You know, I I, I joke, I joke. But still, I, I, I mean, a big, slower possession receiver with a Jones fracture in his foot and you take him to seventh round. Hmm, I don't know. Jake Funk. I was glad to see him get uh, selected in a draft. I was surprised to see him get selected in a draft. Had a terrific campaign in 2020 had a real good pro day workout. Also has a long injury history. Uh, A guy who runs hard on the inside can turn the corner, real good pass catcher in the background, but has had a lot of uh, uh, injury issues in the past. And I'm, you know, I'm with John Brown. We talked about him a lot. He's a real good, uh, pass rusher, a guy who gets a lot of penetration up the field, very athletic, a guy has got some growth potential. Uh, I think he's more of a traditional 4-3 defensive end, but I'm sure they're going to use him in a one-gap system. Guy who's got growth potential, he's got upside. Uh, fifth round
0: was earlier than when I had Ernest Brown, but I'm glad to see he went there. The Rams did sign about 10 players. After the draft, a couple of notable names, Paris Ford out of Pitt, the guy we've discussed a lot, you know, tragic, tragic pro day for him, knocked him out of the draft, but he's got good size. He can play the run despite those pro day numbers does have some range in coverage in terms of being a single high safety and, and playing center field, just a solid football player overall who can at the very least contribute on special teams, if not add depth to the back end of the secondary. And then Iowa tackle Alaric Johnson uh, prior seasons was certainly a draftable prospect three-year starter at left tackle for the Hawkeyes has some upside but needs to work on his core needs to get stronger needs to work on his fundamentals so you know a lot of work needs to be done with Alaric jackson but there's also a lot of upside that comes with a guy like that especially signing him after the draft and pretty much taking him on in a no risk situation max roberts is an interesting player guy
1: who started his uh college career at maine i think it was maine uh may have been new hampshire but Maine comes is at the top of my head played well at the Boston college, more of a stand-up, stand-up, standover tackle type of situational pass rusher. You know, you mentioned Alaric Jackson, Paris Ford, has he finished running his 40th at the pro day yet? (laughs) Uh, uh, Troy Warner. I I like the Troy Warner signing as well. I mean, you know, uh, typical BYU safety in the sense that he's not very athletic, but he's incredibly
0: instinctive. He's very physical and he knows how to play the position. And that's it for the 194th episode of the draft analyst presented by bet online and the belief sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us any questions, or give any feedback we may have as well. We'll move on from our division reviews with something new for all of you guys next week. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon.